I thought you were all about the hawks. Wasn't that the sound that you like? Yeah, I mean, I like hawks, but I mean, if you were going <laughs> to, like, if you died and you get up to heaven and uh, it turns out it's like the system is basically, um, there's no, like, eternal bliss, but if you did good, you get to pick, you know, which animal you get to come back at. You can't pick a human because you just had to go at that, so you got to pick an animal. Now, if you think about it, how do you beat an eagle? Just in general, like a bald, just a straight up bald eagle living in the Pacific Northwest. How do you beat that? You are the king of the sky. You got great vision, long life, smart, fast. You you can poop for days. You, you're protected. Everybody loves you. You're like an icon, a symbol. And you can fly. You can fly. <laughs> Which is what superheroes can do. You can fly. Think about that for a second and then think about it again. You can fly and you're an eagle, right? That seems like a good one. And what can you do? You can fly, Brent. And I'm just saying like, you know, I thought about this and it's like a domesticated dog with nice owners. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, good life, but you can't fly and you can't guarantee that you're going to get good owners because you were just offered the ability to pick the animal. You don't get to pick. What happens after that? And so if you have to look at the odds and you don't get to pick, like if it's a good owner, if you're a dog or you don't get to pick any of that, and you just have to see, I'm just going to be that animal. And from there, it's like rando. Well, then it seems like the highest chances of having just an absolutely badass superhero like life would be to pick the <laughs> eagle. Don't you think? I mean, you make a compelling case. It's office hours. With me, Chris. Hello, everyone. It is the last office hours of the year. I just sick of having people in here, so I figure I'm going to wrap it up after this. I mean, I might do it again in the new year if somebody cleans up. But Brent's here. Hey, Brent. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, I like what you've done with the place. It's Thank kind you. of festive in I, here. I decorated. I decorated. Ooh, uh... Yeah, although all I had was Easter decorations, so... It still feels good. I think, you know, I was expecting the mumble room to bring a little something. We got a good showing, though. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome into the office. Hello, Chris. Hello. Thank you. Hello, Brent. Hello, hello. Nice to have you here. Doing well, I hope. Well, we have a few things to chat about in our last episode of the year. I think I'll start by mentioning that the Jupiter Party memberships are on sale for just a bit longer. We're spinning down Patreon. And as a thank you, we have the promo code 2022. You can sign up at Jupiter.Party and get all of the shows ad-free with any special features they have and support the whole dang network at jupiter.party. Patreon, spinning down. Thank you, Patreon. We appreciate you and all of your service. Many years of fine service. We're just simplifying and integrating. So jupiter.party for that. Now, Brent, uh, as we record right now here today on the show, this Sunday, the Tuxies come out, right? Is that this Sunday? This coming Sunday. Yeah, it's true. Oh, my gosh. That means it's also Christmas. Holy crap. Oh, I'm not going to panic. <laughs> that is so scary. I'm not going to have a panic attack on the air. I'm just not going to do it. I refuse. But that's that's scary because we're recording on the 20th, and that's a very short five days away. Is it the 20th? Oh, no. <laughs> I know. But what I'm trying to say is the tuxies are coming out on Christmas, and we would like to have you give those a listen. And join our Tuxies boardroom in the Matrix with your feedback. I know not everybody's going to do this, but we want to make the Tuxies better every single year. And so we've created a Matrix chat room dedicated to the Tuxies. And our thinking is we want to collect the feedback while it's fresh. 
So that way, when we start to plan 2023's tuxies, we can bring all of that feedback in and discuss it. So if you get a chance, please give the tuxies a listen and then uh, send us in your feedback because we'd appreciate that very much. We want to make it better every single year. We had a lot of fun this year. We refined the categories. I think the new categories worked better. And we came to a new decision about how we're doing the Hall of Fame going forward. And I think that's going to work a lot better, too. So we'd like feedback and all that, all those things. Now, Brentley, we uh, we did an AMA last week and ask us damn near anything. And we got a few questions. But we ended up getting a couple of follow-up ones after the episode, as we kind of expected would happen. And one of them uh, came in from Listener Nights. Knights is looking for some tips, I think mostly from you, but I might have some too. Knights writes, I thought I recalled that you said you had ADHD, and I was recently diagnosed as well, somewhat later in life than many people. I'm about 43 years old. I realize now this is something that I've always struggled with, but the pandemic really just made things even more difficult. I work as a sysadmin in a small IT group, so throughout my career it has been natural for me to jump around from one thing to the other, fighting fires and deploying this and that, and I think my job has really lent itself to an ADHD brain. More recently, though, with so much work from home and also longer-term projects that need to be done, I feel like I've been struggling more, both at work and at home. I wondered if you were willing to share some of the things that helped you cope with ADHD, and if you have some things that help you stay on task with long-term projects and things that are tedious and hard to push through with an ADHD brain. If you don't really want to talk about it on air or even directly, I totally understand, though I wanted to send the sats regardless of getting an answer. I've been enjoying your content many years, started listening to Lass when it was just you and Noah, and I think it was not long after Noah joined the show. I've been listening to much of JB's content ever since. One thing that's always worked for me is to learn that way, and I can pay attention to audio content, so thanks for all you do. Knights. Thank you, Knights. Uh, I know what you mean, too. I've I've definitely notice that I'm better at retaining something if I listen to somebody or if I watch something about it that I am likely if I read it. I don't know what that is, but there's just something about audio that just does work better for me in that regard. But it sounds like, Brent, you had some tips kind of front of mind when you started to read this. Well, I, I have a little bit of experience because I had a partner who had ADHD and she had a whole bunch of tricks. And one of them was just always have a little something in the background playing that would kind of set the tone and keep a little bit of interest there, but just enough so that then she could focus on, she's a photographer, so focus on the tediousness of doing photo editing and stuff like that. And Chris, I, I think that's one of your strategies as well. Typically when I jump into your office, much like we are today, uh, you're often playing, you know, a podcast or a YouTube video and often something that teaches you something like I've noticed it's often some technical content or, you know, financial stuff. So I wonder if that is something that you've clued into. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting observation that hadn't really come to mind, but you're right. There is almost always one of the reasons I have dual monitors is there is almost always at least a video playing or something paused where if I need to like take a, a mental break, but I don't want to drift too far, I can hit play and it kind of has to be just the right kind of content. It's kind of this funny mix. So there's those strategies because it just really, it's so situational, I have to say. I, I I don't feel like I have a great answer. I I mean, I could give you the basics that you're going to hear from everybody. Um, sleep. It's probably single-handedly the best thing you could do is sleep. 
that was a huge one for me because I have sleep apnea as well. And I, a couple of years ago, I finally got that taken care of, or, you know, got a mask and all that. And that really improved my situation. I still struggle. Um, sometimes it really is a struggle, especially <laughs> I live full time in an RV and I uh, have three kids and a wife and a dog. And there's not a lot of space. And so it can be hard to get like into a headspace to write or do that type of work, that kind of cognitive work like that kind of stuff can be tricky because an RV is a really small space. You can hear everybody. Sometimes they shake the rig when they move around. That type of stuff is really hard to filter out. And so a little bit of music, headphones, anything I can do to kind of give myself that kind of, I guess, background, you know, just to, make, to just kind of give myself something else to, to tune into is usually something I'll do. Either a video or depending where I'm at, maybe it's headphones and a music. <sighs> Otherwise, I don't know if I have any great answers. I've tried medications. I haven't tried any medications for a long time, but I was diagnosed in middle school-ish, maybe, maybe elementary school, and then re-diagnosed in my early 20s and offered medication both times and tried it for a while both times. And they were primarily stimulant-based medications. And um, it is nice, like pretty, pretty impressive the focus I could get and the amount of work I could get done. But it was a self-perpetuating problem because even if I didn't take, even if I didn't take anything in the afternoon, just taking the stimulus in the morning, like six, seven a.m., I still couldn't sleep. I also lost a ton of weight, for better or for worse. Sometimes I almost think, oh, I wouldn't be so bad right now, but I, I just didn't have an appetite at all. I could maybe eat dinner. It just really affected me significantly. Now I know they have other stimulants and other things now that are better about that sort of stuff. I think the other thing that would be worth considering when it comes to medication is if that stuff doesn't impact you too much, as I know it can also help with some of the depression that can sometimes come along with ADD and ADHD. You know, there's this whole motivation and all of this stuff that is a really complicated set of things that you got to work through sometimes for different tasks. And maybe medications can help with that. But for me, I, I've, I've, I've attempted to just sort of build a lifestyle for myself in which I can be successful without being medicated. And one of the ways I've done that is I work here at the studio. I'm here today. <laughs> it's a snowstorm and I'm here today. And I have my own office here at the studio where I can close the door or sometimes there's just nobody here except for me. And so that lets me, that lets me focus. And then I just have to f figure out how to get myself to work in an optimal way. If you remember in the last, I don't know, three, four months, uh, you and I have talked a little bit about this topic because I, uh, this same partner that I mentioned earlier, uh, we're good friends now. And, uh, she sent me a, I guess it's a, what would you call it? A lecture. She sent me a lecture from a doctor at Berkeley that talked a little bit about the science of helping some of these things. And uh, the reason she sent it to me was she said, well, actually, Brent, like you might have like some of these tips might actually be useful for you, even though, you know, you're not like you haven't been diagnosed with ADHD or whatever. But but some of it. But she's nicely saying, I think you might have a little bit of ADHD, Brent, is what she said. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, it's and it's actually kind of a treat to have a partner, you know, uh, someone who I knew for 10 years and who we're just good friends now, but say like, hey, I 
see these behaviors that, you know, I know in you that are similar to what this person is talking about. So uh, we'll link to that talk. I found it really fascinating, uh, even as someone who, you know, doesn't classically subscribe to that ADHD uh, categorization. I have almost been the opposite. You know, I need to like hyper-focus and I can't have anything else playing while I'm working. But some of those, there were some qualities in there that I thought were really fascinating and made me think like, huh, all right, this is not like a black or white diagnosis kind of thing. It's more of a total scale and everyone's somewhere on there. So there's some tools in there that I think would be really helpful for just about anybody. Uh, so that would be a, uh, something that I think would be super helpful, at least a jump off point. And then I did also come across, and I sent this your way, Chris, I came across a Hacker News article. It was titled, My ADHD Founder Toolbox, which I thought was really interesting because it was focused specifically on sort of, you know, high tech, but also just the discussions on Hacker News that followed that link was really, really helpful. So I would recommend dive in there. I'm sure there's some stuff you can, you can learn that might apply to you. Yeah, I'll give a plus one to that because I'm of the opinion I understand ADD and ADHD more in the last five years than I have my entire lifetime because I started watching the right YouTube lectures and videos. I guess the doctors never explained it really to me. They never really mm -hmm. they never really helped me understand it. They just told me how to treat it. And Coming to understand it helped me build the tooling I need to manage it, right? If that makes sense to you. Like, uh, this is a silly analogy. Only like a few percentage of you will even know what I'm talking about. But I was never really into cooking until I started watching Alton Brown on the Food Network because he explained the science behind why the meat browns yeah, or, you know, why the eggs do this to that, or right? Like, then I started to understand the mechanics of it. And learn how to apply it to my own stuff, right? It's, it's just a, it's a really good. I'd imagine on YouTube you could run into a lot of bad crap too, but you know, you, you seem like a smart individual. I think you'll figure it out. And I think that I think I agree with Brent. Like those resources today were not available 30, 34, 33 years ago when I was diagnosed, right? Thirty years ago. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, and I don't know if the doctors are going to give you that information, but it's available if you go find it on YouTube. What if someone isn't, you know, they, they, they don't know much about ADHD, but maybe they fit into that category. What are some like characteristics that they might look at in themselves to say like, oh, geez, I might fit this and maybe I should pay attention. I mean, what you just described about yourself kind of sounded like it, you know, because the ADD, ADD and ADHD does not mean you do not have the ability to focus. In fact, sometimes it means you hyper-focus on the wrong things. Oh, wait, well, that's me. <laughs> A way that can dangerously manifest if you have it significantly. And this has happened to me semi-regularly. And I, uh, it's one of the reasons I really like my golf. I can every now and then accidentally hyper-focus on something while I'm driving. Like something will catch my attention on the side of the road or something. And I'll just lock in on it and just sort of lose track of everything else I'm doing. Hmm. Now, I've never run off the road. Uh, but I became aware that I was doing it because... When I drive my golf, it's got the lane correction built in and it'll nudge the steering wheel to say, hey, dummy, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, right. I'm I need to pay attention. Like I'm driving like, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I'm, OK. Um, and it's it, it can happen in a microsecond. Like I can look down at the radio and I'll look back up and I've lost all track of time. How long I've been looking down. I have no idea. And it was like, oh, I shouldn't. I didn't mean to do that. 
And so those are like ways where it can kind of catch it. Or the other one that's super common that is really, really rough. And it's probably happens to other people, just different intensity levels, right? And some are chronic and some are not. But big one for me is like, I've got a big structure of something, like maybe a whole show layout that I've kind of visualized in my head, right? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking it through and I, I turn a corner and I walk into a room and somebody asks me a question. And if I get asked a question, I lose my state and I can never get it back. I never get a moment to save it. I have no control over what, what happens. It just, it's gone. And I just have to come to live with that. Cause sometimes it's so like devastating when you've, you've lost the thing that you were like, you know, you just get a breakthrough. You just got the big idea. You've, you've just cracked it. I've just cracked it. I've just got to write this down. And then something happens and you lose it and you've, and it's gone. It's genuinely not coming back. And I've had like entire show ideas that were like, this is great. I'm going to go put this in a dock and then I'll lose it. And I never got it back. That show is dead. It's gone. And I think different versions of that happened to everybody though. Yeah. I know. I know a while ago you were playing with virtual reality desktops and work environments. Did that help you in that sense of like being less distracted by, I don't know, someone walking outside or, or all of that? Did, did it help? Yeah, I think so. I think it, that's one of the reasons I liked it. You know, it's still a problem if you know people around you and all that. It's just not, it's not going to work, right? It's just not going to work. You still want to be alone because you don't want people watching you while you're doing it because that's distracting. Which <laughs> 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 is the whole thing you're trying to prevent. <laughs> I think it's also important to set a perspective with this. I've I've known, like I mentioned, several individuals, you as well, Chris, that have identified with ADHD. And in many ways, it's actually a bit of a superpower as well. It's often spoken as a negative trait, but I think actually it has a lot of positive traits as well, like the ability to multitask in a way that other people can't sometimes. And so I feel like we should be careful not to speak of it as like a too much of a detriment as uh, as someone who identifies with it because it's really just a personality trait and it's something that you have to learn to optimize just like any other personality trait. So if you can optimize for it, even if only in some ways and, you know, yeah, use it as a, an ability, not a disability. Is, exactly. Yeah. Optimus Gray asked a great question. He writes, I've followed in too many of failed tech trials. Things like Google Stadium, for example, come to mind. When Chris gets hyped about something new and talks about it, I, I just can't, I just end up spending way too much money on it. When is it too soon to get my own Pixel 6a or 7? Yeah, when do you know? Well, that's why I'm doing the, in LUP, I do the ongoing updates so people can make up their own mind, you know? Because I feel like it's hard to know on the first use. I think the most valuable reviews are often after you've used it for six months or something like that. I don't know how long I'll do the graphene, graphene OS updates, but I plan to try to do them at least uh, maybe pull back a little bit uh, as it just becomes, you know, my daily driver and it's normal, but do them on occasion to let you know how they're going. But, you know, I think like the other big device I bought this year would be the Steam Deck. I think that's my other big hardware purchase of the year and uh, for personal, Chris, for myself. And I I still recommend that. Spoiler alert, but I still really like the Steam Deck, so. Well, it sounds like it's only getting better. Yeah, I agree. It is only maybe the battery. I don't know. The battery could be better. I think what I should say about the Steam Deck is I acknowledge this is a Gen 1. Like, I don't know if in three years I'm going to recommend this Steam Deck. I think now it's like it, at its prime usefulness. And in a year, 
and then in another year, right? Because it's like laptop. It's like a laptop graphics. It's good, and it's a small screen at a low at like I think it's like 720p or something, so it can get a lot done. But you know, it is laptop graphics, and there'll be better graphics packages along. But there'll also be newer Steam Deck, so I like that too. Some tech though, we just totally skip over, or we just sort of don't really like you. You know, like I like the framework laptop personally, but you don't see me buying one or anything like that. It just Maybe one day, but not what I'm in the market for right now. Uh, coming back to the phone, I feel like it's probably an investment you can make a little sooner because, you know, if, if giraffing doesn't work out for you, you actually have lots of other options, you know, like worst case, you go back to vanilla, but, you know, there's a lot of other alternative OSs you can run on there that would run perfectly fine. And so I feel like if you're thinking of getting that phone for you know, privacy reasons and such, you have a lot of options. So it's, it's, it's less of a one use piece of hardware. And if for some reason drafting doesn't work for you, then you've got options. So it's less of a gamble. I'm just, I, maybe I'm trying to push Optimus to get it. I'm going to make a little, little bit of a prediction, but I'm going to guess at some point, Google acknowledges that the pixel seven is one of the best selling pixels of all time. And wow. the, the reason I say that is, I am seeing so many posts, both from our audience, but also just randomly on Reddit, on the uh, on Twitter, on you know, Hacker News, just random like places where I'll read the comments. I'm seeing people talk about how they're switching from the iPhone to the Pixel Seven. Like it just feels like, and I did it. There's something I think the, I think the Pixel Six was really really close, but it wasn't quite there to compete with the iPhone, and I think. The seven in build quality, slight design tweak, slight spec increase, slight, you know, just improvement all around and everything that matters from camera to CPU speed and screen and 120 hertz at that. I think the seven and the seven pro finally brought it to the category of tech geeks who have been on the iPhone for a long time and willing to consider something else if it's good. That threshold has been crossed with the Pixel 7. Not to say the previous ones weren't good enough, but they just weren't good enough. They just weren't good enough to compete with the iPhone. The Pixel 7 is barely good enough to compete with the iPhone. It's ridiculous. But it, it is. I mean, it's no doubt that my iPhone is faster than this Pixel 7. No doubt about it. But it's fast enough. So, you know, I don't care anymore. It's crossed the threshold where, all right, that's good enough. That Pixel 7 is good enough today, but how long do you think it'll last for you? You know, is it going to be a one-year phone, a two-year phone? I don't, I mean, I got, I mean, the Pixel 3, I got, what, five, four or five years out of the Pixel 3? So, that's what I'm expecting to get out of the 7. That's pretty good. Yeah. And as long as Drafting keeps updating, which it seems like they will, I don't have to, I don't give, I don't give two craps what Google does with the mainline commercial stuff. I don't give two craps. I don't think I'm ever going, I think, if anything, I just wouldn't use it because of the hardware, not because of Drafting. Like, Drafting's great. I don't ever see me going away from Drafting on this device. As long as I have this phone, I think it's going to be drafting for sure. The only thing I could consider doing is, you know, a Pixel 8 that was faster and maybe a little smaller. My hands, I got I got old man hands. And if I hold this phone for very long, they ache. It's big. However, because I watch so much video on this thing and because, you know, when I'm in the RV, I'm moving around, I'm doing stuff and I got these magnetic mounts for it. I like the big screen for that stuff. So we'll see. I'm giving my I'm sticking with it 100 percent regardless uh, until the end of January. And then from there, I'm going to decide if I keep it as a daily driver or if I try to port like the next cloud and privacy and tail scale networking stuff over to the iPhone 
and come up for limitations in the backgrounding of Nextcloud and Tailscale, which I'm already kind of experimenting a little bit with Hadia because I want her to be able to do this regardless if she switches devices or not. So right now I'm experimenting with every time she plugs in, it launches Tailscale in the background just to refresh and make sure Tailscale keeps running to see if I can keep her consistently on the Tailscale network. And that's all I'm trying right now and just see how that works. So I can run that experiment separately while I'm also doing this. It's fantastic. You know, it's a science lab up in there. Run your experiments on someone else's phone. Sounds like a great plan. <laughs> what do you mean it's not working right? What do you mean? That's what I do to my son, too. What do you mean your distro's not working right? Optimus is in the chat room, and he asks if uh, I'm going to be interested in a used Pixel phone in the, at the next JB meetup. I think the answer is probably yes. I really wanted to try one of these privacy-focused OSs on the Pixel that Drew gave me earlier. Uh, but like I mentioned, it was a Verizon one and it was locked down and I couldn't, couldn't get it all going. So, um, that was kind of disappointing, but geez, Chris, you talking about it more and more and more. Now I feel like lagging, I'm lagging. So I think I was thinking about this. Like if I was going to do this for some way, I could convince my kids, uh, <laughs> oh my God, I told, told Hadia I was going to tell the story on air. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, I warned her. So when I put tail scale on her phone. This is last night, right? I'm putting Tailscale on there. Well, she was excited because she knows. She hears us talking about it. And so she was excited to have it. And then she goes, but then she goes, does this mean you're going to switch me to Android? <laughs> Didn't your kids ask the same question? <laughs> yes. Oh, I think I'm getting a reputation, dude. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a question for you there. Uh -huh. You mentioned in Linux Unplugged this week that you spent something like 30 seconds on your iPhone in the last yeah. week. But I was wondering about, you know, you're using iMessage for a lot of family stuff. How are you keeping track of those messages and stuff? So I have a MacBook too. So you can use iMessage on the MacBook. So I'll break out the MacBook. So I have the, so it's a, it's a, it's a Rube Goldberg, Rube Goldberg. What is it? It's a whole series of things I do. So I'm still walking around the Apple Watch, which is connected to my phone, which is in my bag. And then I get the iMessage notifications on the watch. So then I pull the MacBook out of the bag. I open up the MacBook. And I, and I respond to the iMessage using a laptop. So, so that statistic is not exactly representative of your time on the iOS sort of ecosystem. Well... It is accurate for the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But then there's really, I don't know of a way around that. I know there's several there's several things people are working on, but all of them are hacks. Mm -hmm. You know, they all require like, you have a Mac running 24-7. I don't have that. You have it logged in. You have messages running. You give this program access to your messages somehow, and then it's forwarding the messages to your mobile device, and there's various implementations for that. That's yeah, a bit crazy. You know, I don't see them making an, uh, an iMessage for Android anytime soon because that's one of their, like, hooks, right? Your whole family's dealing with it. Well, because this was, Craig Federici said this uh, in an email that was leaked. Uh, he just said straight up, then parents will just buy cheap Android devices for their kids and put iMessage on there, which is exactly what I would do. <laughs> He's totally right. I'd get them, I'd go get them all, like, Pixel 5As and put Giraffian OS on there, and then I'd load the iMessage on there. I mean, that's that's what happened with BlackBerry, isn't it? They had BlackBerry Messenger. That was an exclusive thing. And then they, they had an Android application. And then nobody nobody used the Blackberries anymore. They do make Apple Music for Android. And they have like some sort of other app on there, I think. So they do make a couple of Android apps. 
but that's because Apple Music's now in the services era, right? But iMessage is in the moat. That's that's part of their moat. You got to think about it in terms of what retains users versus what you know brings in users. And so they've released uh, Apple Music, but they don't release iMessage. It's all right. It's all right. Eventually, I'm patient. I eventually will just have them all on Matrix, eventually or Nextcloud chat, which is ridiculously good. I am angry at how good Nextcloud chat is. I am upset. People should be talking about this. It is so underappreciated because, first of all, all chat servers are a pain in the butt to set up, except for Nextcloud Talk. You go into their little app area, you install it. Okay, you're done. You can start using it right away in the web. You can just start using it immediately. And then you go get the Nextcloud Talk app, either from Android or from the Play Store or from the Apple App Store, your choice. You install it. You give it the URL of your Nextcloud server. You log in. You're done. You're chatting. It does voice video. It does reactions to messages. It does inline images. It it does everything that the major chat platforms do. It lets you pull in documents from Nextcloud. Oh, and any pictures you share in line in the chat, it creates a little talk folder in your Nextcloud directory. Okay, that is great. And stores the images from various users in there automatically. So there's just be like if you and I had a Nextcloud talk chat session and we were sharing images, there'd be a little Brent folder. I go into the talk, then I go into Brent, and there'd be all our photos right there in my Nextcloud. Easy for me to get to. And if I want to just pull in a document from Nextcloud, like if we were chatting about like a FLAC file that was on the horse, I could just link it right there in Nextcloud Talk. Just boom, pull it right in. You get it. It's so nice. Okay. Well, then I have a few questions then. One is, are we going to use this internally at JB then now that you're feeling pretty darn good about it, you know? Well, I mean, we got a solution, you know? (laughs) (sighs) I don't know. I think it's, I think it's great for people who don't have something. But doesn't everyone have something? Well, I didn't in this case. You know, I, I, I guess I was in the right place at the right time because I was moving over from basically cloud as a service, right? From iCloud and Google. And I needed to move all of that. And I needed you know, file syncing. I needed, it'd be great to have a way to pull it up in the web too. I needed calendar. I, I needed contact sync. I, all that stuff, pictures, NextCloud just offers that. And it offers it in such a nice way if you're just, starting fresh it's i think it's really hard to justify moving over but maybe some people are i'm sure people are but i'm pretty happy with it so i may eventually try to move them all over to next cloud talk seems like if i wanted to take get wider adoption by the family though i may have to poke outside the tail scale network and just put it on the public net so see we'll see about that well i guess one one follow-up it would be you know you talked a lot about matrix being the family solution but it sounds like you're shifting a little bit maybe I could see Nextcloud being really good for us, because then, like, when we share stuff, it's all right there in the in our file in our directories. I could just see that working really well, at least for what we use it today. I don't know. Well, not to mention like server implementation. If you're thinking of doing your own private family server, then that's just one more thing you gotta look at. But you're you're already doing Nextcloud, and the the difference between administrating those two seems to be quite a gap. Yes, yes, that's just it. It's a huge difference. I couldn't believe how easy it was to do the next cloud stuff. El Ray has another question for us. I think this is a bit of a feel-good one. He asks, what's been a few of your favorite JB memories over the last couple of years? Jeez. Right? Years? Yeah. Well, this year it's got to be the website, right? 
And JPL, the trip to JPL. Oh, and there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And meeting everybody at the meetups along the way. I think that those were the highlights of the year for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that's and and the Denver trip in the years previous, that trip to Denver was pretty epic in scope and it's funny, it just was it that was a massive drive. Right? Like the, it makes the California trip seem so simple in comparison <laughs> to we basically traveled the West Coast, you know? That was a lot. The trip this year was simple in the driving sense, but we ended up with a lot of complications we weren't expecting mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like show. Technical issues. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Which was just not an issue at really a, at all on the Denver trip. I mean, we had the usual like, oh, one or two things that aren't quite working, but. Yeah. And it was hot as hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah was, that was that was the issue there. It was, it was just ridiculously hot. Which is we avoided. We solved for this year. But got other issues we weren't expecting. But those are always, I think all those trips are, it's such a singular point of focus for all of us. And then we get together and we get to, you know, it's travel, it's meeting listeners. It's just, those are really just standout moments. And now that we really haven't had fests and events that we've gone to very much, they've become even more important for us. So I got to, I got to think those, right. That's got to be definitely an answer. I'm bad at this. I am uh, inherently tuned to always identify the problems very rarely celebrate the successes <laughs> soon as we, the moment we have a win i generally 15 20 minutes later oh man west did it remember when west did it to me this west i don't know if you were were you here so i'm like oh we finally got the two linux unplugs done been thinking about the tuxies literally for months right mm-hmm. we finally get it all done two shows back to back and i'm like ah oh, finally done and then west says Except for that coder tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kills like, the mood so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Always, there's always another problem. So that's, I'm always thinking about that. Like right now, uh, I'm thinking about RSS feeds and I, there's some stuff on the website I'd like to get to as well. What do you say, Brent? Should we take a moment and uh, thank Linode and then get to some of that? I think we should. All right. Well, uh, let's do that. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Go over there to get $100 60-day credit on a new account, and it's a great way to support the show. While you're checking out, what is the best of the best in cloud hosting? It's infrastructure the way you'd really like it to be. And um, we've told you about it before. They they advertise here because our listeners just love Linode. It's been a great fit. But what does the AI, what does the AI think of Linode? Well, the Xorg ran it through and sent it in via a boost, and it, Kind of works for me. Here is the chat GPT Linode ad read. The ad reads of the future. Now imagine, imagine using some crappy generated voice that almost sounds real to read this ad and then dynamically insert that into the podcast as it downloads. The future of podcast advertising, my friends, here's why chat GPT wants you to try Linode. Linode is the real deal, fam. It writes. Our six servers and top-notch customer support squad will have your website or app running like a well-oiled machine. Plus, our platform is user-friendly AF. (laughs) (laughs) So, even if you're not a tech wizard, you can easily set up and manage your stuff. Our prices are totally affordable, and our plans are flexible AF. Join us today and experience the power of Linode. Hashtag Linode rocks. 
Threw a hashtag in there and everything. Yeah, threw a hashtag, you know, because it's a hit. I feel like this is like Linode Surfer Dude ad version. Linode's the real deal, fam. Linode rocks. Although maybe this was just one of your earlier ads. You know, earlier in the year you did an ad just like this and it just ripped it off. Maybe. I wonder. I wonder. Six servers. I'm not sure that's something you would say. Yeah, and I don't really ever say user-friendly AF. <laughs> and I don't generally call the audience fam. I'm not opposed to it, but I don't generally. But Linode is worth checking out. It is right about that. So go over to linode.com slash Jupiter, get a hundred bucks, support the show and build something. I got a one click Mastodon. You know what I mean? All right. So there's something I'd love to get built into the website pretty, pretty soon in the next year. And I'm not really sure how to organize this because this is kind of a niche dealio, but something that was kind of a real neat I guess, result of our road trip was that we discovered that there's a bit of a passion out there for geocaching. If you're not familiar to super quick, I'm sure you probably know, but you know, you go stash something, you hide it, you kind of give some vague GPS coordinates and people have fun going and finding it. And they take a little something, they leave a little something, they get some swag, they get to go outside and get some vitamin donkey and some fresh air. It's, it's great. So we wanted to kind of double down on this because it seemed like people really enjoyed it. And it made me realize that we need like, a name it's like JB stashes. And we need like a spot on the website, like jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stashes. And it needs to do like three primary things. I'm sure it probably needs to do other stuff, but from what I could see, uh, we need a way for viewers and listeners to look at the current available caches that are out there and the locations they're at likely on a map. That's job one. That's what most people are going to do. They're going to find where all the existing caches are at and go that area. Number two is, we need an area. Did you add to this? Yeah, I did. So we actually have four items. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So all right. I'll number, read this one for yeah, you. Yeah, number two. Go ahead. No, it's fine. It's four things we need the website to do. Four things at least. <laughs> okay. Number two, um, I thought it'd be super fun to have some kind of logging or history of each geocache because if we're doing um, like object swapping it'd be really neat to learn you know who found it how long between finds what kind of stuff might be in there so just a log of active and past caches i like that a lot um and then number three a way to register when a new cache has been deployed so you know somebody's got a cache we need to get it on the map and then of course we need a way for people to request a cache kit so that way they can put some basic info in there and then jb can send them the essentials we're toying with the idea of bring your own Tupperware and then we'll send you the swag. Plus a little, you can keep yourself as a thank you. It's kind of what our thinking is. So like a standard cash kit and a couple extra items in there just for yourself. We may just also do the Tupperware ourselves. Don't know. We were looking into that. Still, that part doesn't matter. That's something we can figure out on the back end. but a way to view the current caches, the history of the cash activity, active and past, a way to register new caches when they've been deployed and a way to request a cash kit. And I think we, I think we just need it right there on the site so we can have, this can be a way, cause you think about it, you can go for a walk, listen to one of the podcasts and go get some JB swag in your area. It just sounds like a lot of fun. And if we start mailing them out, they could be all over the place. We, we've had a request to drop one in Japan. We have yet to send one out there and to have all of this organized in a way that makes sense. But I feel like it could almost even be a worldly thing considering our listeners are spread out a little all over. I hope so. I hope it happens. You know, I'd love to see this happen. Um, so I think maybe maybe I was I was hoping we'd roll it out like springtime-ish. 
Um, so I thought maybe if we started talking about it now, right before Christmas, use the winter months to build and deploy, and then have something kind of ready for the community by spring. There are some ideas we've been floating around on the JB website issue tracker. So issue number 465, we've been talking about geocaching solutions for this. And I feel like as the more we talk about it, the more we can refine that. And I did have one idea, Chris. You mentioned number four, a way to request a cache kit. Mm -hmm. While you were talking, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's something we can use something like Jupiter Garage. So have it be a, an item to quote unquote purchase. And then it could just handle, you know, shipping details and all of that stuff for us. I wonder if there's a way to sort of hook into those things that we already have in place. That was one of the reasons we were like, we if we, we could do it that way, so it'd be totally automated, which would be awesome because it'd be fast. But we we just the system can't do the Tupperware part. Like you know, they won't they won't yeah, do the Tupperware right. part. But they'll do all <laughs> the other stuff. So we could we could basically have it on exactly like that a zero dollar cost item that you order that kit and then of course we'd have to make sure people actually <laughs> deploy the geocache. But I actually <laughs> I'm sure they would, right? Of course they would. They, they would. If it didn't work, we could stop doing it. But um, I feel like that's solvable by us. It's the front end that has to be right to get people doing it, to get people out there, get them exercising in the spring, get them finding this stuff and that kind of thing. And a way to make, like maybe attach a message when they find it. So that way we can read it on a show, right? So it's because you got ones that are active. People are going to need to mark when they found one or something, add to the history and leave a message, which could be output anywhere. I don't, you know, could be anything. doesn't have to be, the message itself doesn't have to be on the site, but something we could read on air would be fun because they're neat notes when people find them. Feels like a big job the more I talk about it. Yeah, I think some of the videos and photos that we've received uh, have been a lot of fun to look at. And just, you know, seeing the process, it brought a massive smile to me. It's like, oh, we were in that area dropping that cash. And to see, you know, someone's family, for instance, finding it, that was super fun. Yeah, I agree. So I think we'll keep talking about it. And hopefully the ball can get rolling on that as people get back from the holidays and brighter, sunshiny days are on the horizon doesn't feel like today. I also feel like that's one of the many things that we want to do in 2023 around the website and JB infrastructure in general. I mean, we've talked a lot about RSS feeds. There's some mm -hmm. complex things to solve there, but also we've talked about, you know, boosting from the site directly. And uh, I, I feel like there's going to be a long list of things that we're going to touch in this year. So we could use some extra help if people want to join us. Please just... Uh, Join the Matrix room for the website and uh, say hi, or come find some issues to solve on our GitHub page. Mm -hmm. Jupiter Broadcasting on GitHub. I was looking back. I thought it was possible I wasn't going to make it in today to the office because uh, we got like five inches of snow, which is about five inches more than we normally get. Um, we About once a year, we get some snow, and this is at least one of those times. And so the roads, <laughs> nobody, they don't plow them. They don't sand them. They don't salt them. So it's just the wild, wild west. Plus, we've been under, we've been below freezing for several days. So it's just been very cold. And I thought, well, it's possible I might not make it into the office. And I thought, what would we do in place of an episode, a live episode? And what came to mind was a retrospective on the journey our website took. I want to just play like, a couple of minutes. I'm going to have to cut this clip off at some point. And that's going to be awkward. I, I apologize. But I wanted to play just a couple of moments from episode three, where we first really started talking about the website. And we brought on 
Wes and Alex, they sat down in the office with Brent and I, and we chatted about where we wanted to see things. And I thought it'd be fun to look at this or listen to this now and then kind of reflect on where we got to. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you wanna go I'm joined by some friends to talk about our plans for the summer and our new website that we're developing. And we haven't really dialed it all in yet, so I think this is both the right moment and possibly the worst moment to open it up to the community and discuss what we see as the future of the Jupiter Broadcasting web domains. Because we got a lot of websites. we got a big mess. I think everyone agrees. Far too many. Yeah, and it's a legacy install that we've been running forever on Scale Engine. And they've let us know that uh, they're getting out of the WordPress hosting business. They don't want to host our horrible WordPress. <laughs> we don't want to host our horrible WordPress. Something has to go. So as a group... Wes, Brent, Alex, and I have been talking about what we want to see. And simplicity, I think, keeps coming up over and over again. Speed keeps coming up over and over again. And the recognition that most of the audience, when they interact with any of the JB properties, they're interacting on their mobile device, in their podcast app, most of the time. And we've been brainstorming ways to create a static website, maybe even a website that doesn't even have a CMS behind it or a very light CMS behind it, something that we could programmatically generate as a new episode comes out. And I think we've looked at a lot of things. We've looked at Hugo. We've looked at uh, MK Docs. We've looked at a lot of different backends. We've looked at ways of integrating GitHub and GitHub Actions. Do you have a, in your mind, Wes, where is our like state of the website conversation from like your perspective? Well, I think we've, we've been discussing kind of where the website fits, like you say, right? Like, um, on one level, we've got the feeds, and the feeds ultimately kind of control what users in the podcast apps see. But we've got sort of parallel infrastructure in that we've got a main page if you want to check out the video versions, or you just, you know, you've heard about us, you check out our website. And when you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com, right, that's the first thing you do. Plus, we've got sort of ancillary resources like the calendar and the increasingly important live page. So, right, contest pages are another one that, you know, a lot of little subsites, donation sites, little tiny little subsites. And we've also seen a lot of stuff, you know, that has been thrown out so far, tools we've kind of taken a, a preliminary look at, sort of. A lot of stuff evolves around you're wanting to make one RSS feed, you're trying to host one podcast, but we've got that part kind of taken care of right now. Things we'd like to see improved is a more cohesive representation across shows, sort of sharing some of those resources, making the same workflow work, but having enough flexibility to account for things like, you know, we've got premium versions for folks that subscribe and want to get the shows ad-free. They share a lot, but they're just subtly different enough. Not all platforms have the flexibility to account for that. Or old archive shows. Maybe we want to make it clear these are no longer in production, but if you'd like to listen to them, you can. Or things like the Mumble Info. We use the Mumble Room across multiple shows, but we only have the Mumble Info on the Linux Unplugged page. Or the Matrix server information. That's only at linuxunplugged.com matrix because we don't have a great way to just build that kind of page for jupiterbroadcasting.com. And those pages, like the live page, like the mumble page, like a donation page, like the contact page, they change maybe four times a year, right? That's just it. I mean, yeah, the cadence of changes isn't crazy high. And that's where something like, you know, either a very light CMS or no CMS at all starts to make sense because we just, besides the the hosts of the shows and the editors, there's 
you know, there's not that many hands involved. There's some. There's some we need to account for, and the workflows involved do need to work for everyone involved. But I think we have a lot of flexibility in that regard. Yeah, and we're one of the things we're thinking about. I think we got pretty close to that. We got pretty close, and it goes on. You know, the conversation, we talked more about how we want it static. And we don't want to have to deal with, like, posting things to a CMS, which that's definitely something we don't have to worry about anymore. <laughs> that's so fantastic. Yeah, man, we've come a long way since that discussion, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Um, looking back at it now, you know, it was an evolution that you can capture over the show. So if we hadn't made it today, if the snow had prevented us from making it in, I probably would have uh, tried to get together some of those moments and cut them together. Because to, I think, I think for, at least for us, looking back at it, we'd really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It'd be at least a fun episode for you and I. All right. We got some boosts into the show. We got some live boosts as we were going. We got uh, a row of ducks from Dan Johansson who says, keep. Chris keeps pronouncing my name wrong on the shows. But Uh-oh. if I just think of Scarlett Johansson, which I think of Scarlett all the time, Scojo's always at the top of mind. So it's Dan Scojo, and I got it now. <laughs> we also got 21,123 sats from Eric, a.k.a. our podcast. Uh, happy to send my first boost to the JB Network. Nice. I've been a dedicated listener since the very first Linux Action Show. I'm truly invested now in podcasting 2.0 and want to thank you for your dedicated coverage to this value for value model. I hooked up my Albi wallet to accept lightning payments for my R Weekly Highlights podcast, and that would not have been possible without JB leading the way for me. Eric, that's so awesome to hear you're doing that for the R podcast. Uh, by the way, R Weekly Highlights podcast, go check it out. It's value for value enabled now. Check out Saturn as well, Eric. And also, if you want to get geeky with the stats, for better or for worse, I've been playing around with, uh, I think it's a, what was it, uh, Conshacks? Remember we were talking about yeah, that? Yeah, we were. I think it's Conshacks with an X at the end. And that'll give you some analytics for the boosters. Uh, you know, it's nice because now I can kind of keep track of like people who are frequent boosters people who've dropped off who are former boosters, you know, <laughs> it gives you that kind of data for better or for worse. Uh, like I say, Anther 76 boosted in live with 25,000 sats says, thanks for helping me with my new stack. Chris, you helped me transition from pocket cast to Podverse. <laughs> LND hosted on Kubernetes. Lots of fun. Oh, that's, that's great. Mm. A little lightning network via Kubernetes. Well done. I I'm back on Podverse myself. Anther. I, I was using fountain. Great app. I like it. I was helping them beta test. And I'll probably go back just to help them test future ones. But Podverse has a new release. And when I set up the Giraffing OS, I thought, let's go back to Podverse for a bit. Actually, I have, of course, I have Fountain and Podverse both on here, obviously, along with New Pipe, Pocket Casts, and I think that's it. But uh, I use all of them. But Podverse is the one I kind of, I think, for me, just as an advocate of GPL software that I like a lot. They've just fixed their sleep timer, which was wonky. They just are working now on streaming sats because before it was just boosts. They're getting streaming sats to work. And they they just got CarPlay support. I think Android Auto is probably on the radar as well. Optimus Gray came in with a live row of ducks. Glad you made it in today. But keep that storm. I'm getting it. (laughs) I'm getting it right now. And it's four to ten inches of snow on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not done with us on Thursday necessarily. I think it's just one really, really long storm, Optimus. When you look at the satellite imagery, it's always like this where Brent lives, but it, then it comes down in these lobes over us. So they call them lobes, actually. They actually call them lobes. 
and they wash over us. You're blaming Canada again. I can I can sense that. Absolutely. Nomadic Coder just sent in a live boost with 1,555 sats, but he also sent one uh, earlier in the week for 1,555 sats. Uh, thanks for that inbound liquidity tip in the previous episode. With regards to Bitcoin ATMs, the ones that I have tried in the US of A require you to use your mobile phone for confirmation over SMS, which can be tracked back to the phone owner unless you use a prepaid service like Mint Mobile with the appropriate privacy precautions. Michael Basil's podcast, Privacy, Security, and OS Int show and book, Extreme Privacy, describe how to do that and set up a privacy phone. Heard good things about Michael, and I looked into the privacy phone. There's a couple of cool options uh, for privacy, virtual SIMs and eSIMs. I don't really quite grok it. Like Silent Link is one of them where you can buy a cell plan, a monthly cell plan with sats. You just send them a lightning payment, and they activate an eSIM. It's a virtual eSIM that you download and install on your phone. I mean, I really don't grok it, but yeah. Fascinating. And the folks over at Purism have the Awesome, which is a, another kind of one-layer, obfuscated kind of privacy service. I'm sure all of it is somewhat futile, but you're right. It would work for that, for that kind of stuff for an ATM. There are some outside the U.S., I believe, that don't require your phone number, but that'll change. Mirror Mortals podcast boosted in with a row of ducks. Here's one for the AMA. I just started to learn Python, mostly for fun. I don't have a driving purpose and would appreciate any recommendations of podcasts, books, rules of thumb, et cetera, that you have for beginners. Cheers, Kyron. Well, that is a fun beginning uh, like that. You're, you're like starting at the beginning of an awesome road trip, you know, like it's going to be long. It's going to get real hot sometimes. Sometimes you're going to have tech problems. I think my first tip would be have a, have a reason have a driving purpose. You say there's no driving purpose, find one, solve a problem, and that'll keep you going. Uh, but I do have a couple of uh, resources for you. I recommend if you've got some time, it's a long ass interview, but if you've got some time, uh, Lex Friedman sat down for like three hours with Python's former benevolent dictator, the originator, the creator of Python. And it's a fascinating interview. And then I would listen to Coda Radio 494 where Mike and I respond to that interview. We cover things from a little more pragmatic perspective, how they actually work in the real world. And I think give you some, give you the ideal side of Python and the pragmatic reality side of Python. So that's Coder Radio episode 494, coder.show slash 494. Uh, but I will link to both of those because I'd probably listen to Lex Friedman's podcast first if you have the time. And that's episode 341. Get that interview under your belt. It's a long one. And then, then catch Coder if you can. I did, I believe, play some clips from the interview. So if you do want just the highlights, and I mean highlights, because it's three hours long, uh, you could listen to just Coder, and I do play some clips from the interview. But yeah, that's a great journey, uh, Kyron, and I'd love to know how it goes. Do keep us posted, and um, you can always write in some questions you have to the Coder program as well, because Mike is a fan of the snakes. To add to that, there's a Linux Unplugged episode 466, and it's titled The Night of a Thousand Errors. And I went into a little bit of my diving into Python and trying to learn it earlier this year, and uh, Wes gave some great tips in that episode. And so if you want some well-seasoned advice from someone like Wes, I feel like that's a good place to go. Are you calling Wes old? No, I'm calling him experienced. You said seasoned is what you said. That's what we call old people, was we call old guys. Well, I mean, 
four seasons per year, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Dubs boosts in with a thousand sats. First time boosting in from Fountain. These are my uh, sats that I earned while listening from, I, you know, activity of listening. Number one, thanks for turning me onto the cool podcasting 2.0 idea. Number two, for financial software, I highly recommend Ledger CLI. It's simple and extremely functional after a little bit of learning. Also, for what it's worth, there are stellar Emacs packages for Ledger mode. The sky is like literally the limit, <laughs> which makes sense with who the original Ledger software author is. Hmm, okay. I, all right. Okay. You're kind of getting me dubs. He says, thanks for the great show as well. I do love the idea of being able to do that on the command line because uh, when I started working in banking back in the early days, all those bankers were, were on DOS machines. They did all of it from the command line, all on DOS, like base programs. They had Lotus, I think, or they had some DOS spreadsheets program. Poohair boosts in with 512 sats. Yesterday, I used chat GPT to write both a love letter to my wife and a letter of resignation. <laughs> both worked out pretty well. I assume he doesn't mean both were to the wife. Right. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same. I'm guessing. That would be uh, confusing. <laughs> I love you, but I'm out. Choose one letter. <laughs> <laughs> you pick which one. <laughs> it worked out well for him, though, so he's good. Uh, do you think big email providers will implement the ability to generate content directly into an email for everyone? Or is ChatGPT just going to exist more on a chatbot development API side of things? Well, can't you argue that Google's already doing this in a way? It, it recommends sort of reply messages and things like that. So I feel like it's partly there. This is just a logical next step. That's just it. I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's, they're just going to double down. You know, they're going to try to do a slightly better job. And uh, I think it's going to be kind of annoying. The, the Google one isn't too bad. I guess there is a bit of like, how much of this are we going to do? How much do we want the computer to hold our hand? I know I sound like an old man when I say it, but I definitely have horrible handwriting because I just basically typed my whole life. So I have embarrassingly bad handwriting, I, unless I write really, really slow. I just never nurtured that skill set. And now, you know, I'm an old man and I think about it and I go, uh, well, who cares? I'll just, that's fine. And I'm just going to live though my whole life with horrible handwriting. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, it's like maybe there's something to, to it. I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see how good it gets. I suppose that's, that's really the question. Depends on how good it actually gets. The bigger question for me here is, are we still trying to use email? Is that still the appropriate, you know, communication method? <laughs> Although I, I I both hate my inbox, I, I literally consider it a monster. But I I wouldn't want to see the open, uh, open, you know that part sucks that it's like there's so few systems that are just open like that, and you could run whatever version of the software in the client you want, and it's gotten locked down by big corporations. But at the end of the day, SMTP, IMAP, and POP three are still just open protocols. Dark matter dev. Dark Matter PHP dev, I should say, came in with a thousand sats. Hey, Chris, here's another thousand sats courtesy of Fountain. Well, thank you. Brent gets some of those too because he's in the split. Ooh, thanks. And user 3302 came in with our last boost with 1500 sats. Great show. Keep it up. And user 3302, you can go into Fountain and set your profile name if you'd like your name to show up when you boost in. And uh, you can mention it was you. Sometimes people switch their names and then they just show up as a new person to us. And I'm like, I think think that person boosted in before sometimes you learn how people write and you're like i think i know i think i know who that person is but they're using an auto-generated username 
you know, however you want to do it, we appreciate it. Uh, the way I'm doing my boost now is via Albi and Podverse. And what I love about that is now that I have Albi set up, when I go to the podcast index and I just go to the shows I listen to right there, I can boost right from the web page or I can boost from Podverse using the same Albi, using the same sats. I don't have to have like multiple wallets. It's all just brought together. It is it is really becoming a nice little tight package. Plus, Podverse is available for the Android, so I got it on Giraffe here. It's available for the iOS. So if you want it on your Apple phone, you can. And it's available on the web. We've integrated it into our website. So it's at jb.com. That's the player there. It supports podcasting 2.0 features that I love, like chapters, the lit tag for when you're live, of course, value and boost, like just a top-notch app. The transcript support is crazy great. It'll auto-scroll the transcript as we speak. Once we start loading it in there, top-notch stuff, and they're just making it better. So that's my plug for Podverse, podverse.fm. And um, one of the nice things about our website project was that ultimately Podverse picked up a few new contributors as well, and I'm really happy about that too. There's a nice little symbiosis or synergy, as you say, Brent. I do, yes. All right, well, we got a lot more coming up, including um, events all throughout next year, website development, and a name change for the show new RSS feeds, and we're going to ask the folks that listen to this show to be our frontline testers for those new home-generated RSS feeds when that happens. So I'd say, uh, in the meantime, get the old feed. Get the classic feed over at officehours.hair slash subscribe. Get it while it's still that name from that location. Because one day, new name, new location. And then you'll wish you've gotten it, right? And I'll sit here and I'll say, I told you so. What did I say? I said, go get it, and you didn't do it. I don't want to have that conversation. So officehours.hair slash subscribe. Jeez. All right. I'm tired. I got to go drive in the snow. So that's it. Thanks for being here. Office hours are over.